Hello everybody, this is Captain Katz. And we are Katz. Alright, and welcome back to the show. So we've got a couple things we're going to be talking about today. Uh, first things first, we are going to talk about a rumor that's been spreading like wildfire through the past couple of days. And uh, I kind of hope it's true. Mm, what is that? Well, it's been reported that this rumor is that there's going to be a Killer Instinct 4. Mm. And it's not by Iron Galaxy. It's rumored to be said that it's going to be Bandai Namco that could be working on it or is or been working on it for quite some time and they've been hush hush about it. And it's also rumored that they've gotten this the creative team, the the development team that did Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Mm. Now that was an awesome game. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, and it's also rumored that quietly, without anybody noticing, that Microsoft hired a big name underneath everyone's nose. And it's rumored to be someone that used to work on Mortal Kombat. Not Ed Boon or anything like that, I would say. But someone close that's been there since day one. Mm. So, if the rumors is true, oh, and that said person might be in a high position where working with Microsoft Gaming Studios with Bandai Namco, they will co-develop KI4, and I think they're going to reboot the series with 4. But like I said, take it with a grain of salt. These are just rumors. I hope there's true, (laughs) but... You know, but uh, wouldn't but if they're gonna reboot the series, they, they can't really change what makes the series iconic. You know, with the uh, especially the com- combos and stuff. And, oh, it's a right. Yeah. Um. I think they'll still have that, but I think what the series needs is a new, fresh take on it, because. Uh, KI 1 and 2 were done by Rare. Mm-hmm. You know, American Gaming Company. Yep. Then you had... Um, and they were Gal- released in arcades, too. Yes. Iron Galaxy did um, the one that's that's still being played right now. I still play it. Um, I still play it. Um, yeah, I still play it. And I still play with Omega Kai. And um, it's still fun. It's still good. But having a Japanese game studio doing it, I think that would be interesting. I think that would be great. I wouldn't mind seeing them. I wouldn't mind seeing the game being done by Namco Bandai because they did a great job with Dragon Dragon Ball Z Fighters. Mm-hmm. You know, or I wouldn't mind seeing um, Arc Systems make doing it. Be weird, but it but it'd still be different. It'll be fresh. But I wouldn't want to see Capcom doing it because they just, eh, just eh. Yeah, well, I'm kind of thinking um, before we move on, you know, they'll probably improve like how the characters look like and stuff like that, make it a little sense of realism. But they have to uh, keep that, excuse me, that that funness of you know, 
a potential of making the ultra combos and certain fatalities and the combo breakers and mm-hmm. yeah what makes the, the core keep the core there but improve on it and also what about the characters they're gonna, are they going to be a little bit modified are they going to look the same or maybe they look like back in back in the 90s but they give it a free, fresh clean paint job well don't get me wrong like the third installment of the series um i liked how the characters looked i thought they were great some characters look better than others and um other characters just looked really horrible uh in terms of the model like the character model and and everything um one character that comes to mind would be kim woo my god they did it wrong um but then you had other characters that look 100 percent better than what they look like in one and two example tusk maya um saber wolf uh cinder you know the list can go on tj combo god my boy spinal orchid (laughs) or oh yeah huge difference and then some of the new characters that they introduced were like also interesting as well um for example, the characters from Gears of War, from Halo, um, some brand new characters to the series. Well, since you know. it's Namco Bandai, maybe they might throw in some of their some of their characters inside. I don't know. Depends. You know, like the girl, like one of the girls from Ridge Racer, maybe. Nah. Which would mean Pac Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, why not? Nah, nah, that's going too far. That's way going too far. Nah. No, it's not. I like that one game that kind of, I think it either at the same time or it predated Smash Brothers, but it had Optimus Prime in it. Oh, that was that one by Konami. Yeah. No, it was Konami and Tomy. Tomy, yeah, there we yeah, go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was a good game. That was a good game. Uh, that would have been a true Transformers game if it wasn't for the fact that that was his only appearance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a good game. All right, so uh, moving on from the rumor mill, um, we're going to talk about the Eisners. And if you're wondering why we're talking about the Eisners so soon, it's because over the past weekend, this past weekend, uh, San Diego Comic-Con International, um, or STCCI, or CCI for short, um, where the Eisners take place every year, they just announced the 2022 judge uh judges and here are the names of the judges oh hold on in case if there's people out there who want to be a judge or you know maybe they didn't get the email yet um um they are they're selected no i, I know i'm just saying they're, 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 mm-hmm. them, it's come from their website yeah. eisner awards not accepting submissions for 2022 deadline is march 31st oh no that's for comics well that's also some news too um, if you created a comic uh, during the entire calendar year 2021 and it either has been published via as a webcomic or physical or digital um, you are technically eligible for uh, to be nominated for an Eisner so if, yeah here's a big uh... yeah well hold on I'll make the skinny on it yeah okay so if you ever so if you like I said if you released anything within the calendar year of 2021 and you would like to submit it to be nominated in the Eisner, you just go to the San Diego Comic-Con International website, you 
click on to the Eisner Awards, and then from there on top of the page, you will see what you need to do to submit and see whether or not your work will be in the running to be nominated for the Eisners. Mm -hmm. So without further ado, for anybody who wants to do that, I wish you guys the best of luck. I hope you guys do get nominated, and we would love to hear from you. Mm. And so without further ado... Um, the judges. I'll read the one, two, the the three paragraphs that also name the judges. Oh, well, the official. Yeah, the, yeah. the official. Press so, release. Um, so, here so it's a judge's name for 2022 Eisner Awards. Uh, six comics experts make up nominating committee. So, Comic-Con International, Comic-Con, is proud to announce that the judging panel has been named for the 2022 Will Eisner Comic Industry Awards, which will reward excellence for works published in 2021. This year's judges are Barbara Randall Kessel, Kim Munson, Rick Offenberger, Jameson Rohrer, Aaron Trites, and Jessica Sang. Mm -hmm. uh, the judges are chosen by Comic-Con's awards subcommittee, made up of individuals from the board of directors, staff, and various departments. The judges are selected to represent all aspects of the comics industry. The judges will determine the nominees that will be placed in the Eisner Awards ballot in some 30 categories. The nominees will then be voted on by professionals in the comic book industry, and the results will be announced in a gala awards ceremony at the San Diego Comic-Con in July. Well, give or take, depending on Omicron and whatnot. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I won't read the whole paragraph of what they do, but I'll, a little brief thing about the judges in interest. Uh, Barbara Randall Kessel's comics career started in the mid-80s at DC Comics, where she went from freelance writer to editor before heading west. Uh, she joined Dark Horse Comics in the early 90s as an editor before returning to freelance life. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I won't go further. Um, uh, Kim Munson has been in love with comics ever since her dad gave her Wonder Woman and Captain America comics as a lure to get her interested in figure drawing. She is an art historian, author, artist, and curator living in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, Rick Offenberger uh, has worked in the comic field as a retailer, distributor, reporter, public relations coordinator, writer, and publisher since 1990. He owns and operates the email-based Superhero News service, and his pu published works in print can be seen in the Comics Comics Buyer's Guide, Comic Retailer, Borderline Magazine, and Comics International. I've, re I've read Comics International. It's good. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Jameson Rohr, a librarian for Sacramento Public Library, has been working in libraries for 17 years, including correctional, genealogy, academic, and public libraries. In 2020 and 2021, he served on the inaugural Best Graphic Novels for Adults Reading Committee for the American Library Association, which establishes the best comics and graphic novels geared specifically toward an adult audience for libraries, uh, library staff, and the public. Uh, Aaron Trites has over 15 years of comic retail experience, currently as the owner of Now or Never Comics in San Diego, and previously at Comic Kazi in Boston, the 2017 recipient of the Will Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award. Yeah, I haven't been to that store yet. Um, I know where it's at. It's in the heart of downtown. I've been want I've been meaning to go there one of these days to see what the fuss is about. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jessica Sang is an international comics historian and public speaker on pop culture. She has appeared on AMC's Robert Kirkman's Secret History of Comics and Nerdist's award-winning documentary The Impact of Black Panther, 
She has been a moderator and panel discussion producer for over 500 panels at pop culture and comic conventions around the world. Yeah, um, she's very insightful. I've seen the Robert Kirkman documentary. Um, yeah, very insightful, very intelligent. Um, and I think that was a good pickup. So, uh, without further ado, from everyone here to them, uh, congratulations on your um, uh, the judges being nominated this year. I know they will do a fantastic job like the previous judges of last year's uh, Eisner Awards and so on and so forth. It's not an easy job because um, being an Eisner judge, you're going to, no, being an Eisner judge, you're, you're going to have the entire comic industry and community you know, have you under a microscope. And a lot of times when they, when they do the final release of like the nominees, there's always like tons of people just like, Oh, why didn't this book get nominated? Or why not this author or this writer or this or that or, or, and and so on and so forth, you know? And you got to remember it's not a you know they gotta read a lot of stuff that was released in a calendar year. It's not an easy task, you know. So you gotta you gotta give them a lot of credit for that. Yeah, yeah. So that's why uh, I give them the utmost respect, and I hope they do a phenomenal job this year with the uh, nominees. And once we get any more information about the Eisners and the nominees. We will definitely report that back to you. Mm. So. Well, that's not until after March. <laughs> March 31st. Yeah. So in April. Sometime in April or May. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. of the well, deadline. Yeah. Well, the deadline. Okay, quick note before we move on to the next thing. Um, submissions for anybody who released anything in the calendar year of 2021. Your submission date, uh, due date, is by March 31st. Mm-hmm. That's the cutoff date. April 1st, no, that's it. You're done. You know? Um, so, we won't hear anything until maybe May, June. Yeah, like May and June, because uh, that's when they usually announce who's going to be nominated for the Hall of Fame, for the Eisner Hall of Fame, and then maybe we have a first glimpse of the nominees. So, yeah. So yeah, so mm-hmm. um, like I said, we'll just we'll we'll keep an eye on that uh, as the year goes on. And um, last topic of the night will be two movies that uh, celebrating anniversaries. Uh, well, technically, one already passed last year, but still, like no one didn't talk about it. Well, yeah, no one didn't talk about not it. Not really. So what, what, what we're talking about is uh, the Omega Man, starring Charlton Heston, which is based off Vincent Price's uh, uh, "The Last Man on Earth," which is was the book "I Am Legend." Yes, which yeah. was redone as a horrible movie by Will Smith. I'm gonna be honest; I didn't like the movie. They were, even though they were going, you know, quote unquote, going by the book. The book was not that boring, like the movie. The movie was boring. I'm not afraid of saying that. It was a boring movie. Mm. Yes. 
But I digress. So, um, The Omega Man. Very interesting movie. Very interesting concept. Uh, like you said, it was based off of a, a Vincent Price movie. Which was actually based off the original I Am Legend. Right. So, um, give a quick synopsis of what the movie's about. Well, it's kind of weird, mm-hmm. um, which which will lead up to the second movie that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, it was made in 71, and it talks about something's going on in 75, something viral. And then, the future year of 1977, everything went to shit, and Charlton Heston is the only human. Yeah. But what differs from, kind of, uh, from Vincent Price and from the original book, I Am Legend, is that... Uh, the creatures of the night, they got brains. Um, but they do have something that, that kind of, uh, well, it doesn't really strike a chord, but it could. Mm-hmm. You know, they, um, they would rather destroy um, all of humanity, all of technology, all of science, all of everything, because they blame that stuff for the end of the world. And, you know, living in a, in a shithole. Right. So they're they're blaming it. They're blaming that. So they're going to destroy everything that is. Okay. So they choose to blame technology for their downfall. Science and technology. So when right. they see Charlton Heston, they want to kill him, kill him, kill him. Because he's like the face of what brought us down. Yeah, he's the alive. poster child. Yeah. Well, he did meet a bunch of other survivors down the way, and and uh, he theorized that uh, somehow he. Uh, Got infected or something. Well, well, Vincent Price got bit by a bat. So he has a, a natural immunity. Right. And so he was working on a serum and it worked. Um, but, you know, this wasn't a time for reasoning. You know, screw reasoning. Because mm-hmm. um, his love interest, uh, she, uh, she has a kid brother who was about to, you know, turn into one of those zombies. Well, one of those um, peoples, creatures. Mutants. Yes. Yeah. But... You know, the serum worked. You know, he's cured. And he wanted to plead with him, you know, come on, you know. You know, you know, we can start a new, uh, we can start all over. You know, with a clean slate. And like, nope. Because this stuff represents technology. And technology was brought us all down in the first place. So they kill him. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's how the movie ended? No, no, no. In the end, um, they had illusions of uh, religion in there when they, they finally get Heston with the spear in his heart. Mm-hmm. And um, when it was daytime, he was barely alive. And the survivors, because um, he was betrayed by his uh, love interest who, who, who got infected, um, was turning into a creature. But um, she still had enough humanity to like lament what was going on to her, to her love interest. He gave them the the, the serum, which would cure people, and um, then he croaked. But the way he croaked, he was in the water, like in the fountain, and he looked like he was uh, Christ on the cross. Huh. So he so he li- 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 di- died like that. He laid down like that. Huh. You know, and, and and it just ends like that. Like, well, there is kind of a glimmer of hope in humanity, except humanity's dead. Maybe they could start all over again. Maybe. We don't know. All right. Open-ended. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's not like how the Vincent Price one, The Last Man on Earth, where he gave off that famous line. Oh, they were they were they were they were afraid of me. They were afraid of me. And then he died. Yeah. And uh well, that's it. That's the end of humanity. Mhm. Yeah. Um but it does but but it does bring up that film does bring up a lot of interesting points of almost it kind of almost is like a warning or a reflection of what is going on today. No. Well, not really, because it was based off, you know, based off the original book, I Am Legend. Right. And now we're getting to the second film we're going to talk about to finish this broadcast, because this one did give uh, in, uh, the warnings and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which also stars Charlton Heston. <laughs> <laughs> to by someone. Yep. Yeah. Soylent, what, what I yelled last time, Soylent Green. All right. From 19, well... It premiered in 1973. I'm actually writing writing up about it, mm-hmm. um, but the st- the story of the film takes place in 2022. Ooh, here we are now, barely. Ooh. They got some things right, <laughs> and it was different than all the other sci-fi movies of the time, mm-hmm. because everyone's like, oh, you know, 19s. Something happened in '69. It's gonna happen in '72, or, or in the case of Omega Man, '70. You know, made in '71, but something's happening in '75. And oh shoot, 1977. Eh. No, this this went straight away. Like, uh, uh-uh, we're not doing it in the 1900s. We're gonna go a little bit more ahead. All right. <laughs> Fifty years. Okay. All right. Well, first and foremost. Is something green based off of something of any work or book or memoir? Yes, it's okay. based off of the author Harry, Harry Harrison's um, book "Make Room, Make Room." Okay, and the theme of that book, which was way ahead of its time when it was published, because mm-hmm. it was based off right after World War Two. The author had a story about uh, he was talking to an Indian guy while he was in India, and uh, the Indian guy was talking about a little-known thing called overpopulation. Mm-hmm. Unheard of. And this guy was talking about it in India. Okay. And he was telling the author, you know, hey, Harry, how about, you know, um, you start um, importing uh, importing condoms to India so we can stop this problem. You can make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And that's when the author's like, yeah, well... Um, I could be filthy rich, but I don't want to be the rubber king of India. And so that kept, kept and this was in 46. Right. That kind of kept into his mind until it just suddenly clicked. Clicked. And he made Soylent, and he wrote up uh, Make Room, Make Room, which is um, the movie is based on, except, you know, the, the movie is different from the novel. Because in the novel... Um, it kind of does talk about some sort of a murder, and there is a. Um, but, but the story of the book is is you know nineteen you know the classic nineteen ninety nine two thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the problem is there's like, well, it's based in New York and overpopulation up the butt. We're talking about New York City approaching you know past two hundred million people. That's uh, a lot. Okay, so basically, kind of like. Uh... In nerd terms, um, 
the world of Judge Dredd, Mega City One. No. No, I mean in terms of like, it's so overpopulated that you know, like, people are living on top of one another. There. Not exactly. Um, it's kind of like the world of today, except every open space you see, you're gonna have a a a a, 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 a homeless family or, or a group of people sleeping there, which was well uh, shown in Soylent Green. Okay. You know, you're going to be walking home to your apartment and you're going to be bumping across a lot of people because they don't have jobs. Why? Overpopulation. Overpopulation leads to uh, a scarcity of precious resources, you know, overuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it'll, then it turns into like um, uh, mega corporations, you know, doing their thing and getting ridiculously rich, especially when it comes to the scarcity of resources. And the book's ending was is unfortunately like um, unlike Swollen Green, um, the main character Thorn was um, demoted to a regular cop. He was a detective. Uh-huh. Um, he was he was uh, demoted, and he was doing the beat on New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. and um, he bumped into you know he, he had a love interest who was considered, I have to say it in the book's terms, furniture, which means, you know, because in the caste system of that world, you know, the super wealthy, mm-hmm. um, those women just, you know, care for the servants or whatever in those super wealthy places. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, she was miserable when she found out he had to live in the squalor with all the people. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to make it work. Well, on New Year's Eve, he saw her just, you know, doing her thing with rich people. Right. And um, he bumps into a guy he, he saw earlier in the, in the book. You know, he was lamenting, how come the world didn't end? You know, he's sad because he wanted the world to end, to get out of that miserable situation. Yeah. But he can't. And then he looks at, you know, the, the electric ball and then the jumbotron in New York City. Happy New Year! But the population of New York went up to 337 million. Hmm. So, it's not really a bleak ending, but it's just like, oh, great. You know, you know, if I'm not going to die now, I'll die later. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so basically kind of like a um, cyberpunk noir ending. No, there's no cyberpunk involved because, because of the... No, cyberpunk noir ending, it's not a positive nor negative. It's just bleak, dark... And up to interpretation. Yes. Yeah. Soil and Green, however, is none of those things. It just gets to the point. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, then. So what was the difference of the ending of the book towards the movie? Well, a famous quote that I yelled last week. Okay. Um, um, Saul Roth, who was Thorne's friend in the book... Mm-hmm. Um, you know he was a he was a gift. You know he was a very smart college professor and all that stuff. Right. So when he and the Supreme Exchange in the film, you know they're like the bookheads um, that actually read books. Mm-hmm. Um, they find out the truth about the Soylent Corporation and what makes Soylent Green so good. No. He couldn't hack it, and. Um, in one of the most memorable, distur- memorable, memorably disturbing 
deaths in cinema history. Very haunting. Yeah, because um, and I will and I and I've written about it already. Um, Edward G. Robinson plays Saul Roth, mm-hmm. so he couldn't. He could. He he under, he's so disgusted by the futility of what what they're doing in the world, he just goes to a gov- government clinic and he's like, "Yeah, I want to die." And the actor and I saw a little uh, YouTube clip of him in um, in his old age. Um, I think Dick Van Patterson. Yeah, mm-hmm. he mentioned that that moment, that part where he acted out, where it's like, "Yeah, oh, oh you." Um, you know, I, you, you want to die, sir? He's like, yes, I would like to go. And he's like, yeah, okay, uh, uh, come this way. I'll take you to where you're going to die. Uh, a few days after that scene, Edward G. Robinson died. And at least for Dick Van Patterson, that shocked the shit out of him. Because he was the one who said that. Wow. Well, anyways, the more shocking, well, disturbing part is... Um, this scene has been parodied from Simpsons to South Park. You know, he, he he's, he's apparently he's naked. They put a robe on him, uh, put him on a bed, have him drink the poison, and um, he ordered for some classical light classical music. And so he sees his movies about, you know, the past of Earth's history with trees and birds and animals, to Beethoven's Symphony Number no. Six Pastoral. Most mm-hmm. um, I won't get in trouble because Beethoven's not here to defend himself. So it was that. That one. You will never hear that. That you will never hear that piece of music the same way again when you see this sequence. And Tchaikovsky's Pathetic Symphony Number Six, Six as well. Hmm. Anyways, Charlton Heston. Well, I think either he was the only one who knew, or maybe everybody knew that he had cancer. He was gonna die. But he kept, you know, Edward G. Robinson, but they kept working. And so when they did that, it was genuine, like, a genuine emotion between Heston and uh, Robinson. Mm. And, you can, and, you, and you'll see it in uh, uh, Heston's face where he was just, uh, you know, with emotion. And, that, and this scene became Robinson's deathbed. Mm. Which will then lead to the, you know, the famous ending and climax. So, Heston's thorn finds out where they took in his body to a processing plant. Looks like, looks like you know, those places where you like, deal with garbage and stuff like that. Instead, he sees that those dead bodies turn into Soylent Green. And so, there was a shootout. He almost dies. He got rid of the assassins. And, um, you know, he told his, 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 his police chief, you know, you know, you got to tell him. You got to tell him. You know, Soylent Green, you know, I got proof. Soylent Green is, you know, the oceans are dying. The plankton is dying. uh, Soylent Green is made out of people. You know, you got to let them know. You got to know. And then he yells out famously, Soylent Green is people. And everybody was looking at him like, what the hell? You know, we got to warn them somehow. And then the ending was Beethoven's pastoral. And you see the same animals, birds, and plants. So that makes you think, are we already screwed? Or are we fooling ourselves that we need to die to be screwed? Eh, a little bit of A, a little bit of B. So it just shows that... Well, well, the themes of Soylent Green as opposed to the book. You know, overpopulation, which in turn leads to what significant uh, loss of resources, climactic changes, because apparently in, in the movie they're saying, you know, it, it, uh, you know, the days and nights are never below 90 degrees. Fun. 
and super wealth means a good nice bath air conditioning one piece of meat and as i written and as this, and as the movie says a bottle of strawberry jam in those days well in that dystopia you know how much it costs mm. 150 bucks Yes, it's that nasty. And like I said, you know, in some aspects, obviously they're incorrect, um, or maybe dated, but most of the uh, most of the stuff that they were saying, right on the money. There's even a there's even a company to this day called Soylent, and they're not um, in uh, the nicest of terms, I guess, because. Uh, there's evidences that uh, they don't replace, they actually do not replace a uh, actual nutritious meal. And there were cases where people got sick. They're currently banned in Canada. So it begins. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you guys. I don't know about everyone else, but... Man, that's a downer. <laughs> yeah, it's a downer. And unlike... Many people who are saying, oh, God, 2015, that's the year when Marty McFly went to the, Back to the Future in 2015. Yeah, you know, the Back to the movie, Future Part uh, 2. Yeah. Not this time. No. Uh. This year and the next. Soiling Green is people. Soiling Green is people. Spread the word. They need to know. <laughs> and pretty soon you're going to see YouTube influencers and stuff like that reacting to the movie for the first time. I think they already have. Uh. But they need to understand it's not about climate change. <laughs> it's about, you know, um, overpopulation and, 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 and its consequences. And the lack of resources. And so on and so forth. So, yeah. So if you guys want to see movies that star Charlton Heston <laughs> in the 70s that talk about interesting topics as overpopulation, the end of the world, science and technology versus idiocy, the Omega Man and Silent Green. And that's We Are Cats Movies Recommendation of the Week. <laughs> oh, calm down. We're not going to turn that into a thing. <laughs> Yet. Alright, <laughs> uh, right. well that's it ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guys have a wonderful time with us. We'll be back next week with more crazy stuff from the world of pop culture and whatnot. <laughs> so until then, I am Captain Cats. And, and we are Cats. So until then, take care. Have a good one. Stay safe out there, everybody. And just be nice to one another. All right. Until then. Yo! <laughs>